Rush Nation, welcome to episode 28 of the Five Yard College podcast. It's a night for celebrations for me and Ash. We reached a fabulous figure on Twitter of over a thousand followers in the, the last week, Ash. I didn't think we'd get there this quickly. I was hoping to to hit this milestone by the 2021 draft, but we've got there just into the, the new year. Uh, I guess a sign, Ash, of the, the great stuff that we're putting out, if I, if I can say that. And uh, the, the great interaction that we get with some college football fans on Twitter as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see. It's a fantastic achievement. Hopefully it's only the start, but um, like you say, it's good to see the followers. It's good to see the interaction. Um, that's that, that's articles. the most important thing for me, mate. That's the most important thing because... The, yeah, the, it's it's good. It's good to get to figures like that. And but at the end of the day, I, I want to measure our success based on interaction with the stuff that we're putting out there, and to see more people, both not just following the account, but getting involved in what we're yeah. writing uh, and responding to what we're doing. I, I would rather, I'd rather have that over any amount of followers. So the interaction has been great, particularly during the the college playoffs. Um, seeing you know guys who are. Uh, from one day to the next NFL fans now talking college football that that's what we're here for you know to help to help people get into it so so there we go but we want to say a thank you to the followers as well Ash for for sticking with us and so we are running our very own giveaway you might have noticed Ash I've, I've put an asterisk in the word giveaway and that's because with giveaways in the past that we've done I've seen people following us and retweeting and it seems to be that that's all their Twitter account does. In in hope of avoiding that situation, this time uh, we want our, our loyal followers to be the the person in receipt of the prize. What you need to do in order to win yourself a free mug or T-shirt of your choice, you need to follow our Twitter account and at Mugs NFL. Chances are you already do because they create some great stuff. You need to follow both accounts on Twitter, like and retweet the original post. When the when the podcast comes out Wednesday morning, we'll also retweet the original post. You need to like and retweet the original post and then send us a direct message as an answer to the following question. What is the name of the competition to help find, Tom, a college football team to support this year? What is the name of the competition to help me find my team to support. Do me and yourselves a big favour over on Twitter. Don't comment for the world to see because your chances of winning are infinitely smaller if you put it out there for the world to see. So make sure you send it as a DM. You'll get a reply from me uh, just to say thanks for getting involved and we'll add you to the wheel of names and we'll pick out a winner there. That sound fair to you, Ash? Yeah, it does. Great idea. Like you say, it just um, eliminates those... Um, accounts that are. I don't know what to. Ca- I don't know what to call those accounts. Giveaway bots. Yeah, giveaway junkies because they they are yeah. real people. Yeah, but they're just the the whole. I mean, they were one one person that that's that's won from us in the past. I looked at their Twitter profile after sending stuff over to the states, and the whole the whole page. That's what it was all about, and it just takes the shine off it a little bit. I want this to go to someone who's who's been with us for a little while or someone who interacts with us frequently. I want it to go to a, to a loyal listener. So hopefully by changing it, that's what will happen. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of NFL mugs, did you see me get mugged off this week? 
I did. I saw the the messages in the group, and at first, I thought it was um, someone had ordered that and they were sending it to you, as in like the the message. What I didn't realize is that you that you actually got the mug, because I was going to do that once I seen that Lawrence mug. I was like, brilliant! I'm going to do that for Tom. And then I actually looked at the message, and it was you had already oh. got one. So, but yeah, brilliant! I loved it. Made so, a, a, a friend of mine sent me a text about a week ago. And he said, uh, I've got you a present. And I thought that was a bit strange of him. I said, will I enjoy it? And he said, sort of, you know, I don't know. Well, I'll leave that to you. And then when I saw the post go up with the Trevor Lawrence mug, I thought, why would a Jets fan order that? So the way I read the original tweet was that a Jets fan had made the order, not that it was an order for a Jets fan. So there, you know, there we have it. I think it was a, was it a Saturday? Saturday afternoon, postman knocks on the door and there's a, there's a package on the floor and it took me ages. I, I knew straight away that it was, it was the mug in question, but it took me a long time to figure out what was going on. I was done up like a kipper. Uh, but listen, I haven't got anything against the Jags. I certainly haven't got anything against Trevor Lawrence. So you know me, mate, I'm a tight northerner. I'm going to be using that mug. I'll be having brews out of that. <laughs> love it no i love it it's brilliant as so if you if you're not already following mugs nfl and i'm sure you are make sure you do i think the prices are very reasonable considering what you're going to get i've had a a a mug for and a t-shirt for for nearly nearly a year now um one thing i'm worried about with ordering t-shirts is the size shrinking there's been none of that i've got myself my mackay beckton mug Uh, that that is my uh brew mug on a Sunday night, they're putting out some great stuff. And the best bit about it is it's on request. So you can order whatever you want. It can be college football, NFL. So make sure you give them a follow. One of you will be uh, lucky enough to be getting either a mug or a T-shirt for free. If not, and you're not lucky this time, check out the work anyway, uh, because let's, it's a very important time for helping small businesses. So, yeah, give them, a, give them a, a follow and see the sort of stuff they're putting out. We've got some breaking news just prior to, to starting the recording. We both became aware that Derion Kendrick, Clemson cornerback, is returning to school for his senior year. And his mum has said that that's because he wants to get his degree before turning professional. I count more than 10 returning starters on that Clemson defence going into 2021. Yeah, um, a little bit of surprise uh, until you obviously hear the reason. Um I mean, it's a yeah, it's a great reason to do it. Not, I don't think enough pros take that choice of getting their degree before they leave. Um, and um, you see, or well, you don't see of them after their NFL careers are done. Um, it says a lot. It's a wise decision by him to go back. And yeah, that 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 Clemson defense is going to be pretty much the same as as this year. So. That's going to do them a world of good and um, entering into the 2021 season just to have that um, reliability and the cohesion between the team already set up. Whereas obviously some of these um, big teams are going to be losing a lot of players this year. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have that step up on a lot of uh, a lot of teams around them. Yeah, I'm with you there. Great news for Clemson. Um, good news for Derion Kendrick because you would assume coming out from his senior year, we had a second round grade on him coming into this draft. He could well be considered a first rounder this time next year. It is bad news for whichever franchise drafts Sean Wade too early. So that is the only the only downside I can see that that somebody like Sean Wade is going to go higher than he should in 
Derion Kendrick's absence. But I'm not going to say too much that is negative about the Buckeyes tonight, Ash, because I know you, you're feeling a little bit, um, not sensitive, but <laughs> what's, what, what's the right word? Browbeaten? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. We'll we'll get into the uh, the game in a bit. We will um, more we detail, will. but we yeah, will. I mean, a bit disheartened. It's probably the right word. And the the cause of Ash's pain is largely down to a wide receiver by the name of Devonte Smith. It's old news now, but we haven't spoken since this happened. Devonte Smith became the first wide receiver to win the Heisman since 1991 last week. And another event of monumental importance, Jim Harbaugh's contract extension has been confirmed. I can't remember, Ash, whether whether it was confirmed last week or rumoured, because I know we spoke about it. Um, no, it got a four-year extension. Yeah, it was reported um, that, that it was all in place. So it was essentially confirmed, but we hadn't had the official confirmation. But yeah, as you say, that is now a done deal. And he's there for another... Or five years. So. Yeah, not not the best news, I think. If you're if you're a Michigan fan, I'm going to talk about some coaches that have been on the move before Ash talks about the the quarterback carousel. Uh, Alabama looks set to name former Texan head coach Bill O'Brien as their new offensive coordinator. It has been rumored that it was between him and Adam Gase. Uh, so uh, good job for Bill O'Brien if he if he ends up there. Uh, Penn State is replacing its offensive coordinator. Former Texas OC Mike Yurchich is in there. Boise State has hired Oregon's defensive coordinator Andy Avalos as their new head coach. He's a former Boise State linebacker. He's had a number of positions on the Broncos staff before he moved to the Ducks. And so it's a, a, a homecoming for him. Auburn has hired its new coordinators. Former Colorado head coach Mike Bobo takes over as OC. And former Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason sacked just a few weeks ago in at DC at Auburn. And LSU has brought in Carolina Panthers quarterback coach Jake Peets as their new offensive coordinator. Ash, quarterbacks on the move as well. Yeah, a few quarterback uh, moves this week. Um, the first two are declarations for the 2021 draft. So first off, Texas A&M quarterback Keelan Mond um, has declared for the draft. Um, I need to do a, I wasn't, I mean, I was expecting it, but I've not looked at sort of the lower end quarterbacks um, in this draft class. We've all really been focused on the top guys. So I'll be interested to see where Mond falls um in the draft and same with the next guy Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book has also declared so again I think we're going to be looking at both of these guys as probably mid mid to late round quarterbacks um mid mid's a bit kind but I think they're sort of middle of the pack quarterbacks when it comes to NFL level and we'll probably see them as as backups, I mean, that if one of them gets a chance, they might do something. We've seen it in the past, but I'm not expecting great things at the next level for either of them. I don't um, think and- I don't think that's unfair to suggest that they're, you know, the best days of their career were in the college game. I, I don't think that's overly critical. No, I mean, with, with, with quarterbacks like this, it it takes one chance. I think they're good enough to go to the NFL, definitely, um, and I think they are. Um, high, I think they'd be high caliber backup options, um, but they, they <laughs> might get their chance. You never know what happens. We've seen many devastating injuries and people step up like um, 
uh, Gardner Minshew. I mean, he was a sixth yeah. round pick, and obviously he in in relief last year he did a great job. And unfortunately, because of injuries and and other issues this year, it's not gone as well for him. But by, by other issues, do you mean tanking to get the number one pick? Bit pretty much, yeah. And starting Mike Glennon. Yeah. Why, but... why the Jaguars haven't been uh, taken to the court of arbitration for that? I do not know. <laughs> But no, you you see people, you see quarterbacks like that. You, it happens all the time. So don't be surprised if in three or four years' time, one of these two are starting somewhere. It, it's it's it can happen to to any of these guys that get drafted. Absolutely. And then the last one is not a commitment uh, to the draft, but it is a transfer, and that is Hendon Hooker. Um, sorry, um, Hendon Hooker has committed to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, their former quarterback, uh, Jarek Garantano, has of course transferred to Washington State. So we've got a change of um, change of quarterbacks in Tennessee there. And I think it's looking at the way the season went for the Vols. I think it's it is time for a fresh face under centre. It'll be interesting to see where it where it ends up for them. Uh, but I think a, a fresh start needed, particularly for for Garantano and for the, for the Vols and Hendon Hooker. He had a lot of fans at Virginia Tech, so let's see where he ends up in Tennessee. Now, an issue that is is sort of um, bubbling underneath the surface in college football is the issue of image rights. Um, NCAA chairman Mark Emmett has asked the Justice Department to put a vote on name, image and likeness back a meeting was planned for this week where the issue would be discussed. Now, currently, if you're playing in any NCAA competition, an athlete representing a member institution does not have the legal right to claim name, image and likeness rights. Um, Athletes who receive compensation for promoting or endorsing a commercial product or service are immediately ineligible to appear in NCAA competition, which is why uh, you haven't seen Trevor Lawrence advertising conditioner. Think of the millions he would have made had he been able to do that. Now, a vote in favour of change would allow students to financially benefit as athletes from the use of their name, image and likeness used by third parties. If you want a future NCAA 21 or 22 on on the Xbox or PlayStation, then we have to solve this issue, particularly for the athletes and making sure that they are getting rewarded for for use of them as an individual, because right now it is the schools that seem to benefit. Yeah, it's an interesting decision to postpone it. I've not seen any I've not really seen anything about this to be honest with you this week um but I'll be interested to know what the reason is they have asked for the postponement but it's got to be done um it's only right on the on the players that 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 they get these they get these rewards shall we say um for 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 their images and their and their rights I mean yeah, it's it's a disgrace. It's taking this long just to get to this stage, and it, and, if, and they're trying to push it back again. I mean, yeah, and that's going to go too well. No, and cynics have suggested that this is the first step towards scaling back a promise that was made to, to have a vote on it. Um, again, we, we need to see see where this heads, but there's not a lot of faith in the NCAA to get this right. No, no. Like like with most things with the NCAA, there, there does, there's not much confidence with it until it actually happens and is signed. So we'll just have to wait and see. 
it could be a long time before we see a satisfactory end to, to that situation. We've been very busy behind the scenes, Ash, uh, in terms of getting our positional profiles ready. But there's been something else on the back burner as well. We're able to announce it tonight. It isn't live on the website yet. Uh, and that is thanks to Derion Kendrick, because we need to, to iron out a few changes at the minute. But in the in the upcoming days, our top 100 is going to go live on the site. That is something that will change and be updated in the run-up to draft day. Um, Ash, thank you very much for the work that's gone into it. Looking at our top 100, because we've we've done a, a couple of versions of it individually, when we when we met up on Sunday to discuss where people are, who's rising and falling on the draft board? Well, I think a cu- one player who's been gradually rising throughout the year um, is Azizu Jalari, defence mm-hmm. fan from Georgia. Um, he's sort of firmed himself in the first round conversation now. Um as has Christian Barmore, um, defensive tackle from Bama. Yeah. Obviously, I think the short-term um, view on him is going to come from last night and how he performed in that game. But he's been sort of there and thereabouts as one of the top DTs in this draft class. Um, and then, to be honest, and then the last guy, um, Davion Nixon, defensive tackle from Iowa. I'll be completely honest with you. This guy went under the radar for me up until about two, three weeks ago. I've just not really paid much attention to him. Um, whether he, I, I, from I mean, he, he he looks to have shot up the draft boards um, in recent weeks and months, but he was spoken about um, last year. But he's certainly seen a massive rise on his stock and is now sort of again teetering as as one of the top defensive tackles in this draft class. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how he continues to uh, to rise as we get closer to draft day. What about the fallers? Yeah, I mean, both risers and fallers for me are sometimes the product of groupthink because you see, you know, reputable sources that are down or, or particularly high on a prospect and, and that view filters down uh, into into our mindsets and, and, and then it has an effect that way. So recent performances, Sean Wade, I mean, we were talking about Wade as a late first round pick He's had a rough end to the 2020 season. Uh, We'll talk about his inability to stop uh, a second-half touchdown last night, later on. Dylan Moses is one who slid down draft boards, despite, I think, putting up a good level of performance this year. Moses was considered the second linebacker at the start of the year off the board after Micah Parsons. Now we've got Jeremiah Rusu-Karamoa, so Moses has started to fall a little more. And then one guy who's plummeting down draft boards, and, and I absolutely hate it, Ash, is Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State. I saw today a discussion on Twitter whether Mac Jones should be taken ahead of Lance. Now, I, I fully expect Mac Jones to fly up people's draft boards, but from my point of view, there's, there's no way I'm taking Jones over Lance, surely. No, I think I think that Lance has definitely got the upper hand on the potential and his skill set overall. Um, but Mac Jones is Mac Jones would probably be, in my opinion, is probably the more ready of the two um, to take that instant step if needs be. I think with all three of these guys, they they 
different different reasons behind their falls. So Trey Lance is the fact he's opted out and these guys yeah. around him have had unbelievable years. Um, Dylan Moses is a similar one. Like you say, Moses has not really done anything wrong this year, but guys around him like um, Owusu Kuroa, Jevin Collins, um, they have taken that, that step up yeah. all year and, and elevated to the next level. Whereas Dylan Moses is sort of teetered at the same level as last year, which was a great year for him and was the reason why he was being spoken about. And then Sean Wade, I think his his main issue is he is essentially now playing in an unfamiliar position. Yeah, He has lived his life as the slot cornerback next to some unbelievable cornerbacks. Now he's been asked to take the step up as the main guy. There was a concern that he wasn't going to be able to handle that mantra as the main cornerback, and he's proven that, unfortunately. Yeah. You still can't deny his talent. He's still a top cornerback, but he is a top slot cornerback. That is his position. That is where he should fall in the draft, and that's the reason for us fall, because slot corners aren't as desirable as a, as a, as an all-round cornerback, is it? And And someone's going to get a good a good deal on him because like I say he he will be an instant starting slot cornerback he's a great yeah. player but he's just been found out being asked to be the main guy um, which we expected and, and obviously it has come to pass absolutely and we want to consider the difference in value between a a slot corner and and a guy in coverage. Look at Patrick Satan's performance in the national championship game, which we hope to do in, in more detail in just a moment, and and how he takes players like Chris Olave largely out of the out of the question with his coverage. You're going to go for a guy that's that's better in deeper areas than than a slot corner. So, yeah, I mean, two 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 names I also wanted to mention, Ash the. At the top of the board in terms of the edge rushers, I'm seeing a lot of quitty pay going ahead of Gregory Rousseau. I didn't think we'd see that, uh, but we are doing. That may flip again once we get things like the combine out of the way. But right now I'm seeing a lot of quitty pay being taken ahead of Gregory Rousseau. Not sure if I was an NFL GM, I would I would do that. It's close. Right now I'm going to give it to, to Rousseau. Ash, it's time. We've, we've, we've danced around the subject. We've beat around the bush. We need to probe into into the heartache that you're feeling. Let's talk about the national championship game. Yeah, there's no real heartache here, to be honest with you. Um, I think, as I said last week, my heart, again, was telling me Ohio, but my head told me Bama, and more so than the Clemson game, my head was telling me Bama. I said last week it would take Ohio to be on top form in every area to beat this Bama team. Unfortunately, they weren't, and mm. largely that is down to how well Alabama played. The first half, for, from, for the majority of it, was a, a close game. In terms of the scoreline, definitely. Until the last five minutes, they got obviously their two, their two touchdowns that really put the game to bed. Ohio were in the game. Um, Alabama, offensively, were a freight train, um, but, but Ohio were keeping them keeping them to a certain point, I think. But Alabama just had too much on both sides of the ball. We had Ohio had, um, obviously, Trey Sermon get knocked out on the first play. He went to hospital with a shoulder injury. I think him not being on the pitch was a bit of a difference because he's a dynamic running back. Whereas Master Teague, who had had himself a great game, but he is one of those bulldozing running backs. You're not going to expect him to make a cut and, and make a 
five yard play into 40 yards himself. Whereas Sermon did offer you that. And we've seen that in the last two games that he offered that. So I think he was a big loss early on. Fields was shut down by the secondary. The Bama secondary were unbelievable all game. They shut down Chris Olave up until they didn't need to anymore. I think at one point he had 20 yards, two two catches for 20 yards until the game was done. And then they sort of re- released off of him a bit and he ended up with 60 uh, odd yards in the end of it. But they shut him down all game. They put pressure on fields on the defensive front. He had no time. Um, and he didn't look bad at any one point, but he didn't look great. I do think he was still struggling with this injury, but I'm not putting this performance down to that. He, he they Bama generally shut him down. They the defensive coordinator did an unbelievable job. Steve Sarkeesian's offense has been ridiculous, as we well know. But this game yeah. was just a level above. The, the amount of ways he used Devonta Smith and Najee Harris and and the rest of the guys was just crazy. Um, again, it didn't help that we were missing Ohio. were missing the, our, both our starting defensive tackles, um, Smith and um, Tugea. But again, I don't think that would have helped our rushing defense. That we really lacked on the rushing defense side, and that showed. But I still think we would have still seen a similar outcome if they were in the lineup. There was just no stopping Bama. There was no stopping Devonta Smith in the first half. Um, he ended the day 215 yards and three touchdowns in one half because he left in the third quarter on mm. third third or fourth play, I think, with a dislocated thumb and he sat out the rest of the game. But he'd already done his job. Mac Jones yeah. broke records for the for his his performance, five touchdowns over 450 yards. It was just a dominating display. Um, they shut it down. I think those two touchdowns right at the end of the first half really put this game to bed. Um, and, and yeah, like I say, just Ohio didn't have any answers for them on both sides of the ball, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with what you said about the um, the key players on the Alabama offense were unstoppable. Uh, obviously, Ohio's defense was depleted. The key thing for me was that period at the end of the second quarter where Ohio were, were well in this game. Yeah, yeah. But in that last in that last five minutes of the second quarter, they're going in with thirty five points on the board for for, for Alabama, and that's where uh, Sarkeesian used Devonta Smith really well. Mac Jones was obviously able to find him. And I think that that five-minute spell at the end of the second quarter killed the game because it was it was it was a spectacle and it was close. It was a contest, but going in at half time against a team like Bama with such a deficit, it was game over. And it was in it was in that patch of the game for me where it where it was won and lost. But I mean, that Alabama team is incredible. I mean, what Nick Saban has done in terms of recruitment has been nothing short of spectacular. And you showed me something today, Ash, about Saban's recruitment class of 2017. And just reading the names off, I mean, my word, what, what a class. Yeah, well, no, I, I saw I, I saw that image on Instagram of their 2017 class, and I didn't quite put it into context just that, how good it was. But I did it. I broke it down a little bit further. So they highlighted ten guys 
Um, five who are currently playing for them and five who were drafted last year that all came in in the same class. So you had Xavier McKinney, safety last year. He went 36th overall in the 2020 draft. Jerry Judy went 15th overall. Henry Rudd, 12th overall. Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle, went 10th. Tua Tagal... Tua, can't say his surname, so I'm going to stop trying. <laughs> Obviously went fifth overall to the Dolphins. And then this year, you've got Dylan Moses, who's still regarded as one of the top linebackers in this class and projected around the second round. Alex Leverwood, the guard, first to second round pick. Najee Harris, the one of the best running backs in this class. And again, a first to second round pick. Mac Jones, who is now pushing his way up to the first round conversation. And then, of course, Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, top 10 pick come April. Just those 10 players alone, the, you've got 10 minimum second round picks in one recruitment class. Incredible. Just crazy. Incredible. And all areas as well, not just one. I mean, obviously there is three wide receivers there, but mm-hmm. you've got multiple wide receivers, multiple quarterbacks, a running back, linemen, and then guys on the defense as well. Bama just, yeah, their recruitment is is up there. And it has been for all of Saban's career. I wonder whether Quinn and Williams was in the that re- recruiting class, or was it? Would he have been? Because he was taken twenty nineteen, so I think he was maybe a twenty sixteen recruit. He might have been. Let's have a look. He must have. He must have been a year too soon. Red, red shirt fresh. Yeah, he was first year was twenty. He red shirted his first year in twenty sixteen. He was a twenty sixteen recruit. Yeah, but still. That's the year before. Just, but yeah, because when, when you were reading through it, I'm looking, thinking we've got we've got nothing on the defensive front, and then my mind, of course, went straight to to Quinn and Williams. I mean, th- this is why Bama get to national championships. This is why they've won three and five. This is why they are the powerhouse of college football because they recruit as well as they do, and every top recruit in the country wants to to play for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the. Um... As painful as it is to say, one of the highlights has probably got to be what happened to Shane or um, Shane Ward. I mean, yeah. he called his shot against Smith before the game. That really didn't come to pass, and I don't think really anyone expected that. But there was. Can I can was, I just clarify I've... at this point, Ash? Yeah, we are not talking about Shane Ward, X Factor winner. No, who sang "That's My Goal"? Did I say Ward? We're talking Sean Ward, Sean Wade, not Shane Sean Ward. Wade. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You gave me you gave me an X Factor flashback oh. to the uh, to the to the noughties then. Yeah, but there was a there was the time it was I think it was it on Harris's first touchdown. Uh, was it? I don't want a touchdown. Was it? Anyway, Najee Harris picked the ball up. He'd already got two defenders around him, still running. Way runs into him and just drops to the floor. Yeah, like bounces a off him. Yeah, yeah. Like an listen, brick. Uh, that's gonna that will happen at the next level to linebackers. 100%. That that's gonna happen. Did you see Najee Harris's comments at the at the end of the game? I did. Yeah, yeah. He um, a reporter said that he is it was effortless, um, and he replied, um, what are you talking about? They're on my back all game or something like that. Yeah. So that was nice to see. Um, I think many people have already disregarded it as just him trying to be kind to Ohio. Um, but I don't think the defence were terrible. I think Baron Browning had some good moments. He was very much at fault for Najee Harris's receiving touchdown. Um, oh, really? Is, yeah, so... 
it's probably partly him and obviously the defensive coordinator, but he blitzed Mac Jones and he blitzed him hard. And he came hard and fast, to be fair. But Jones, somehow, he, he sensed that he was there he, and he quickly turned and unleashed the ball to Najee Harris. Mm. Browning would have been Harris's man. So Harris is now free about 10, 12 yards out. Get the he caught, catches the ball. He, he basically stops, and the, the defenders also stop. And then he cuts back in. Absolute terrible defending from the rest of our secondary. Yeah. I've got to say, no one put a touch on him, and he then jumps over someone to to score the touchdown. So. I've I've been impressed with Baron Browning, and I don't know where he's gonna where he's gonna land. And but but from yeah. for, for me, I I I put that down to. I, I put that down to great offense, but obviously, you know, you looking oh. at it with with an Ohio State hat on, maybe you're yeah. going to look to to where things went wrong on the other side of the ball. No, definitely don't don't take away from what jo- the, what Jones and Harris did. It was an unbelievable play by them. Um, but as I say, it it was it it must it, it looked designed, but I don't think Mac Jones was quite anticipating the amount of pressure that that Browning would put on him because he wasn't far away from him at all. If you were, go back and watch the highlight. He's within three or four yards, I reckon, maybe five. But Mac Jones to just sense he's behind him. He's not even looking at him. He's not yeah. seen him. Yeah. He's but he's just turned out the pressure, fling the ball over Browning's head, essentially out to out to Harris, and Harris was his man. Uh, Browning would have been there if he had dropped into coverage. But of course, we we went we ran the blitz, and then Harris made us pay. But it was yeah. yeah, it was some poor tackling. It's hard to bring down Harris. It's even harder when you don't wrap up. Absolutely. You just sort of try and throw yourself at him. It's never gonna work with a guy like that. A couple of guys on the offense to, to mention for Alabama as well. Do you want to talk about um Jalen Waddle? Yeah, so obviously as as early reports were coming in that Waddle was was fit and was gonna be a game time decision, and he did actually see some play. Um so he ended he ended the day with 34 yards. Um, most of that came in the first half. On the very first drive, he caught a 15-yard catch that ended up obviously resulting in a touchdown eventually. Um, but I think the fact he was able to play after breaking his ankle, I don't know if you've seen seen it yet, but when he's walking over to the sideline, he is visibly hobbling over. Yeah. You can yeah. see he's in a great deal of pain. And then obviously you get the Patrick Mahomes and the Des Bryants on Twitter telling them to, to to bring him out of the game. Don't risk your career for this one game. But just that commitment from him to to get out on the field so soon after breaking an ankle and 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 still being able to put up a a, a respectable performance on essentially one leg still. And you can and yeah, it's a, he he is a first round talent. He will he will go in the first round and, and rightly so. He's proven all. He's proven his his college career just how good of a wide receiver is, and that mentality to to continue despite the fact you're hurt is just going to stand him in even more great stead. Yeah, I think it was clear to me that the pressure was on Saban for Waddle to start. Now Saban tried to say this this is a game time decision. We'll see how he is. I think Waddle had convinced himself he was fit, he was healthy, he was ready to go, and that he was going to help his team win the Natty and that he was going to boost his draft stock a little bit. And maybe it was just a little bit too soon. 
yeah, yeah, it was too soon. You could tell it was too soon, but he still he still came up with 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 a big play that resulted eventually in a touchdown. I think it was another. It might have been a play or two later on that same drive that the touchdown came. So he still made that play, but yeah, you could tell he shouldn't have been in that game at all. And then the last one, um, this was more of a, a courtesy for for the player, but um, centre Landon Dickerson obviously um, injured his ACL, tore his ACL in the SEC Championship game against Florida, um, had season-ending knee surgery. So what was that? Four, when was the SEC? Four, Four weeks. weeks ago? Yeah. So he actually suited up and he was another player that was rumours that he was going to be playing it was never going to happen no. but he did suit up and he did come on the play for the final two snaps which were of course uh, uh quarterback Neil um but he snapped the he snapped the, the ball twice and obviously yeah fitting into his career and we've got to give props to Saban for letting him go out there um and yeah so obviously and then you see him pick Saban up at the end yeah, so, when time but he, he he yeah so he he hobbled on and off the pitch as well so <laughs> I mean to to even be able to get out there where four weeks after ACL surgery, I mean, I've not had ACL surgery, but I've had surgeries on my knee. I know how, how long it knocks you down for. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an, a testament to itself. And he wanted to be out there with his players and he wanted to actually be on the field. And, and he got that moment. Um, which it was, was it was great. great to see. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Watching, watching his teammates respond to him coming on the field and, you know, yeah. congratulating him being back, him carrying Sabin onto the field. That is that is a memory that, you know, something that could have been quite a sour moment. He could have been sat, suited up, or, or you know, you know, in his civilian clothes, just sat on the sideline watching the team that he's been a big part of win the national championship without him. And instead, he's given or Saban, Nick Saban has given Landon Dickerson that memory to to cherish forever. And 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 that was nice to see. And in that situation, when he's coming on for a quarterback kneel, obviously the Ohio defence didn't do anything stupid because that was my fear when I saw him come on. I thought, are we going to get a, an angry D lineman that's going to cause some damage here? But but we didn't see that. Um, and like I said, what could have been a, a what-if moment as, as involved Landon Dickerson, a leader of that team, and something that he's going to remember for the rest of his life. Okay, let's talk Lonely Hearts, Ash. There are eight teams left. Four are going to go through to the final round, in which I'm going to make my final commitment. Yep. We've got eight programmes. We know lots about these programmes, thanks to the work that you and, and the Five Yard family have done. And so all I want to all I need to know tonight, Ash, is as a Jets fan, it's Namath. That is the player that you know. Though, though, that's the tape I look at. Those are the books I read. That is the guy to know. If you're a New York Jets fan, your most famous ever player is Broadway Joe. For those eight programs: Wake Forest, Clemson, Georgia, Auburn, USC, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. I want to know who is the Joe Namath. Who is the guy? Yeah, so you've given me a real controversial piece to do here. <laughs> I was looking through and pretty much bar, uh, the the difficulty I've had to select a player from each of these. And I'll, I have gone, I've tried to go by what the consensus has been in rankings and um, 
overall statistics and news articles and everything like that. And then a bit of personal preference as well, because obviously you, you yep. always got to add your personal touch to it. But my God, some of the some of the decisions that, that have been made here have not been taken lightly. And I'm sure I'm going to get some kickback on this and I'm ready for it, like I always am. You seem to be managing <laughs> to get one thing or another for people to come at me on Twitter recently. So why don't I add this to it as well? All interactions, good interaction. Yeah, exactly. But we'll get started, and we will get started with Wake Forest. Wake Forest were probably the most difficult to select just because of the lack of knowledge on my side and on generally online there's very i mean you, you yeah. can you can find yeah. their best players but it's really difficult to be able to pick one out okay. i have gone with riley skinner who was their 2006 uh, 2005 to 2007 quarterback sorry 2006 to 2008 i think he was but anyway okay. the reason i've selected him is one he has been he's always been in the conversation um for their best player um, in his freshman year, he, he led Wake Forest to the ACC Championship. Okay. Um, he holds the passing yardage record with 9,762 yards. He's thrown 60 touchdowns. And he is one of few players who have thrown over 2,000 touchdowns in all four of the seasons that he was in college. Sorry, 2,000 passing yards. Oh, thank goodness for that. How's he threw for over 2,000 passing yards in all four in of every year. In every okay. year, yeah. And, and Wake Forest are going up against Clemson. So who are we Wake putting Forest. up for Clemson? Well, before we do that, I've got some other players I considered as well. I just wanted to highlight Oh, these are the, the, the nearly These men. are the guys, the nearlies, that, that, that people will probably mention. So we've got Chris Barkley running back, uh, Denver Broncos among other teams at the NFL, uh, Calvin Pace, who you should know, defensive end, at one time New York Jet, Calvin Pace. Aaron Curry, linebacker. The one who was closest for me was Alfonso Smith, the cornerback. He was in um, he was in an unbelievable Wake Forest team um, with these guys, and and is probably he's probably their best overall player. But I just think what Skinner was able to achieve, especially mm-hmm. in his freshman, gave it for me. Uh, and then some some more old old school guys. You've got Norm Snead, nineteen sixties quarterback. Brian Picco, Piccolo. 1960s running back and Bill George 1950s linebacker who is regarded as their best NFL player I've tried to do it on what they did in college so there will be some argument here that other players should really be the the choice but I have tried to keep it solely on what they did in college not what they did at the NFL level yeah if we went NFL this probably would have been Bill George because he is regarded as their best NFL player out of Wake Forest but like I say I've tried to keep it to college football only I'm glad you've done that yeah now on to Clemson I'm going to do the others considered first before I give my choice on most of these now I thought Wake Forest just because a lot of these guys were unfamiliar Mm -hmm. it was better just to get the guy right out but here so the considerations I had were Brian Dawkins Hall of Fame safety DeAndre Hopkins, current Arizona Cardinal wide receiver. Sammy Watkins, mm-hmm. Chiefs wide receiver, who was regarded and is regarded as a better college wide receiver than DeAndre Hopkins was. Yeah. Uh, William Perry, defensive tackle, absolute beast of a man. Uh, CJ Spiller, running back. And then finally, Banks McFadden, who was um, who, who's 
late thirties running back and holds multiple records for them. But can for I Clemson, can I guess? On. You'll probably know it, but go on. Deshaun Watson. It is Deshaun Watson. Good yeah. choice. Good choice. He holds the records for passing yardage in a single season. Over four thousand plus yard pass. He's he's the he's the only four thousand plus yard passer in Clemson history. He's second in school history in terms of passing yards with ten thousand one hundred and sixty three, and he just balled out every game he was there. I mean, I also did include Trevor Lawrence in my thought process to begin with, but then the more I looked at, I think what Watson achieved overall yeah. probably stands him above Lawrence. Um, at, at this stage, I think if Lawrence had, I don't know, won the Heisman, or if they'd have won the, if they'd have won the Natty this year, I probably would have chose Lawrence in this position. But for me, it is just Sean Watson. It's difficult to see where where players who are, who are in the team and in and around the team now are going to sit historically, because quite often you don't appreciate the talent until it's until it's long gone. So. I, I think you've I think you made the right call going to show. Okay, Wake Forest Clemson. Wake Forest, like any good underdog cup run, it has to end somewhere. I'm sorry, Demon Deacons, you're out. The Tigers are going through to the final four and will be in my final teams for commitment. No, excellent. That's yeah, that's a good choice there, and it was the one that I I expected. And that was probably the easiest matchup, yep. to, to be honest with you. I've got one more team, uh, from me selecting players, it was at least anyway, I've got one more team where the best player was an easy choice. And then the rest okay. of them, I generally have spent four hours today looking at players and, wow. and data to try and select all of these people. You put far more effort into this podcast <laughs> than me, Ash. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. But the next matchup is Georgia versus Auburn. Um, because you, for some reason, kicked Bama out, so we didn't get the Iron Bowl. But this was an easy one for me for the Georgia Bulldogs. So f- some of the other players that were in consideration, uh, Frank Sinwich, 1940s uh, running back, Champ Bailey, Hall of Fame cornerback, Hines Ward, one of the best Steelers wide receivers we've seen, current running back Todd Gurley, and defensive end David Pollack. But for me, and pretty much everybody who is a Georgia fan or has any interest in Georgia, their best player ever is Herschel Walker, running back. He is the most decorated player in Georgia history. He was a Heisman Cup, the Heisman Trophy winner in 1982. He has held 10 different NCAA records, 15 SEC records, and 30 Georgia records by the time he had finished playing. There is an argument that he is the greatest player full stop, college football mm. player full stop. There's him. There's a couple of other guys that also have that mantle, mantle as well. And they've all got their own um, merit to be the best player full stop in college football. But there is no doubt in my mind that, that Herschel Walker is the best Georgia Bulldog we've ever seen. Okay. And then for Auburn, this was a, this was a really tough one. Um, and it seems to be a really tough one for a lot of people. So some of the other players I considered was the late Kevin Green, um, linebacker, um, Cadillac Williams, running back, um, quarterback Pat Sullivan, and then also quarterback Cam Newton. I've gone with Bo Jackson, running back. 
and it was incredibly close between him and Cam Newton. And it seems to be incredibly close no matter where you look between these two. But Bo Jackson might well be the best athlete we've ever seen in college football and sport full stop. I mean, this guy was one of the best running backs we saw in the NFL and also played Major League Baseball at a high level. He was a Heisman Trophy winner on an 8-4 and four Auburn team. It's not often that you'd see teams, I mean, 8-4 and four is still a winning record, but it's not often that you see a team that have got that sort of record with a Heisman winner in their lineup. That shows just how well he did. He still sits number five all-time rushing yards for the SEC. Um, and he finished his career with 4,575 all-purpose yards, 45 touchdowns. Two of those were receiving. So he scored 43 t- rushing touchdowns in his career. And he averaged 6.6 yards per carry, which is it's about in the – he's ranked around the 50s in terms of all-time. But considering the amount of attempts he had to still be able to average 6.6 yards per carry is is crazy and like I say it was very close between him and Cam Newton but I think he he just he just tipped it for me um, playing on the team that he did and just his overall athleticism one of the but like I say one of the best athletes you've seen in sport so it was, I've gone Bo Jackson on that one I'm surprised I thought you were going to go Cam for, for Auburn but you make a compelling argument and, and in the end you're absolutely right to go to go with Bo. Now, wow, okay. Now, Ash, you know what one of the best things about supporting the New York Jets is hating the Patriots, right? Of course. The the little brother factor. And and I revel in that. And I guess that Georgia and Auburn will will both have that with with Alabama. Auburn, obviously, the Iron Bowl is is a is a famous rivalry. Yeah, but Georgia has Florida as well. Oh wow, this is tough. Um, Bulldogs, Georgia Bulldogs, keeping Georgia in it. Nice by the skin of the teeth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a Very, tough one. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That's a really tough one to call there. Um, I don't know who I choose, so I'm not going to. Let's move on. This yeah, your, before I change my mind. Yeah. Before I change my mind. But we do move on to USC versus Penn State, um, and this USC was, I'd say, probably the toughest. Well, it's, it's, it, it is tough. I mean, it's Donald or Sanchez, isn't it? So, you know, you tell me. Well, no. <laughs> Neither of those, it didn't even cross. I didn't know who you were talking about for a moment then oh, until I saw them behind you and then realised, oh, wait, he's on about former, soon to be former, <laughs> Jack quarterback. No, so who's medalist? So my favourite all-time player is from USC. And he's regarded as one of their top players. So I wanted to choose him and then I thought better of it. So we've got Anthony uh, Munoz, offensive tackle, Hall of Fame offensive tackle. Carson Palmer, quarterback, who has been announced today that he's joining the College Hall of Fame. Yeah. Tony Bozzelli, another Hall of Fame offensive tackle. Um, Marcus Allen, running back. Ronnie Lott, safety. Um, OJ Simpson, who I felt I probably shouldn't have selected 
so I didn't. Uh, and then Reggie Bush, obviously great running back, and my all-time favorite player, Troy Polamalu, safety, yeah. former former Pittsburgh Steelers. I expected it to be Polamalu. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was going to be close, but I think the guy I chose rightly deserved it when I really look back at it. Roddy Lott was above Troy Polamalu as well, just because of what he achieved at USC. But I have gone with Charles White, running back. He was a running back in the nineteen late 1970s. He was in the 1980s when he made it to the NFL. But when he played for USC, he won the Heisman Trophy, along with pretty much every other award you can imagine for a running back. He's a two-time All-American. He was the first USC Trojan to rush for over 2,000 yards in a single season. He twice went over 1,800 yards, and he went over 1,400 yards three times in his career. And he's one of four players to be named player of the game in the Rose Bowl twice. And he ended his career of USC with 6,245 rushing yards and 46 touchdowns. So all of those accolades could be ignored. I couldn't go with my, my my heart on this one. I had to go with 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 my head and, and Charles Charles White won this one out for me, but it was very close. There was this was probably the closest in terms of multiple selections. That and that and probably Texas A and M, which we'll get to in a bit, uh, were, were were the most difficult for me, I'd say. Okay. And state wise, so in consideration here. Linebacker Sean Lee, um, linebacker Shane Conlin, uh, linebacker Paul Pozlesny, and then the two running backs, Saquon Barkley, obviously recent history bias, and Franco Harris, former Steeler. Very, very close between Franco Harris and the guy I have gone for, Jack Ham, linebacker. Jack Ham does win it for me just um, he was an All-American linebacker in the late 60s. He ended his Penn State career with 251 career tackles, with 143 of those being solo tackles. Penn State went undefeated in two of his three years at school, and he also holds a very interesting record, um, for me at least anyway. He blocked three punts in 1968, which was a school record and wasn't tied until 1989. And I just found that little piece of trivia very interesting. But I think for me, and again, from what I've seen all across the internet, he pips Franco Harris to the post on on more than one occasion. Um, so that's why I've gone with Jack Ham. Okay. No, it's your choice. And, I, and I've got my choice on this one, definitely. So I'll be interested to see who you go for. As much as it would be nice to have a Big Ten rival in you, Ash, I feel like that would be a very one-sided relationship for the foreseeable future. USC. Oh, they were the last Big Ten team in it, weren't they? I've only just noticed that. Yeah. That wasn't my choice. USC were my choice, definitely. I'm I'm taking the Trojans. I mean, my favourite player of all time comes from there and... They're not in. They're they're not in the Big Ten. So, yeah, no right right choice there for me. I, USC wins it, and then the final matchup we have Oklahoma versus Texas A and M. And this, I'm I'm very very interested to see where you go here. We'll start with the Sooners. So players to consider here: 
running back Bill Sims, defensive tackle uh, Gerald McCoy, uh, DeMarco Murray, Adrian Peterson, and Baker Mayfield. And it was between AP, Baker Mayfield, and the guy who wins it for me, and that is Leroy Salmon, defensive tackle. So the reason I've gone with Salmon is under when when he was playing with them, um, Oklahoma won back-to-back national titles in 1974 and 1975. He won the Vince Lombardi Award. He won the Outland Trophy Award, which is given to the best defensive players. He was an All-American. Um, and the one thing that really stood out for me here is he was actually nominated for the Heisman, which is a rare occurrence for a defensive player to be nominated for for a Heisman. So you've really got to play at a top level to to do that. Um, unfortunately, he has passed away um, a few years back. So obviously it's a big loss for, for Oklahoma and um, everyone around him. But just what he did on the field when he was at Oklahoma sort of pipped Baker um, to the post here for me. And again, for, for many people from, from what I've seen. So Leroy Selman gets it for me for the Sooners. Okay. And then Texas A&M. So I enjoyed this one quite a lot. There's a lot of recency bias here for Texas. And the players that I considered were Miles Garrett, Mike Evans, Ryan Tannehill, and then um, um, Sam Adams and Dat Ngay, linebacker. Um, But it was out of a linebacker and a quarterback. Von Miller is the linebacker. And I had him as my selection until I changed it to Johnny Football. And the reason, for those who don't know, is Johnny Manziel. Obviously, Johnny Football is is what he's uh, widely known as. But it had to be him at the end of the day. When you look at what he did at Texas, I mean, he is another one of those players that is regarded as one of the best college players of all time. He won pretty much everything that could have been won in 2012, Heisman Trophy and, and all those other individual awards. And he started, what, what's best about him is when he took over from Ryan Tannehill, he started slow. He didn't look that good. And then all of a sudden, he just it exploded. He ended his Texas career with 7,820 passing yards, 63 touchdowns, and 2,169 rushing yards and 30 touchdowns. Russian touchdowns. I mean, he was as, I mean, yeah, he was the the definition of a dual threat. He was just lights out on and off the field. Unfortunately, people really only remember him now for what happened to him in the NFL. His issues outside of the sport has really tagged his career, but you can't take away what he did at college. He was, yeah, like I say, one of the best players we've seen. Just so dynamic. And and at the end of the day, it was an easy choice. I second-guessed myself for a minute, but then I really looked and I was like, I've got to take away that Johnny Manziel NFL. Absolutely. Johnny Manziel College and its polar opposites. Absolutely. And there will be people, if they're you know more acquainted with the Johnny Manziel of the NFL, they'll be shocked to hear that. Whereas people who know Manziel as an Aggie... Will yeah. will not will not have an, an issue with it whatsoever. Now, what I'll say to those people is: go and watch his highlights at college. Go and watch his tape, and you will change your mind instantly on him as an as a player in college. Because, Absolutely. like I say, it's a different player completely. 
and that that's why the you know people found Manzel's failure so hilarious, and mm. you know it's people people like it when the big boys fall, and, and Manzel certainly was that. Okay, right now I've got Clemson, Georgia, and USC, ACC, SEC, Pac twelve. It's only fair that I put a Big Twelve team in there. So Oklahoma Sooners. I like that. I, I do like that. I don't like that the only team missing is the Big Ten. The only conference missing is the Big Ten. But <laughs> if it wasn't going to be Ohio, I wouldn't want you to support any of the others. So that was it. The best, it's the best of both worlds, really, for me. Um, that was it. My um, my my gut told me that we were we were never both going to be Ohio State fans, no. and then I realised that. I really don't want to have a one-sided rivalry with you <laughs> over over Big Ten football. So, on a, almost on a subconscious level, ignored other Big Ten teams. Penn State were, were the best of the bunch, but but obviously they're out. So, yeah, let, let's go with our final four. We have the Clemson Tigers, the Georgia Bulldogs, the USC Trojans, and the Oklahoma Sooners. We have something special arranged for the results of that. I need to go away and have a really good think about which of those four programs I'm going to give my support to. It's going to hopefully be a, a special announcement. It may be on the pod. It may be on the site. It may be on Twitter. We're working out how to make it work. But keep your eyes peeled because we're hoping to, to end this contest with a bang. Right, folks, one choice of the four. Yeah, yeah, I've already decided. Okay. if Out of interest, Ash, if this was you? If it was me? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not telling you yet. Okay. I don't want to influence your decision past giving you data. Okay. your decision. I'll tell you after who I would have gone for. We might we might see what the listeners think on Twitter as well. We might fire a poll up and see see what. Oh yeah. Uh, All right, I'll do it then. We'll I'll give yeah. you my insight when we get the listeners' insight. Yeah, sounds my like choice. a good one. That's one yeah. for that's one for next week. Right, folks, uh, that is it for this week's episode. That is the end of college football for for another year. The national championship game is behind us. We are moving full speed ahead to the NFL draft between now and April. It's exciting times. This is the time of year where a lot of NFL fans jump on board and start talking about draft prospects. We can't wait to get involved in the conversation with you. So keep an eye on what's coming out. We've got articles coming out this week on linebackers and safeties as first possible first round draft picks. After that, keep an eye out for the um, announcement of our first top 100 prospects. That is something that will change in the the coming weeks prior to draft night. And finally, please do remember how to get involved in the competition over on Twitter. You need to follow us and at Mugs NFL, like and retweet the original post for the giveaway and then DM and answer to the following question. What is the name of the competition to help find Tom a college football team to support? It really is as easy as that. Take care out there, guys. Saturdays are for rushing too.